crazy title, keeping it real as you walk into the presence of the Holy One. Realizing what it might look like when you walk away. Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I am all about that verse. And I'm not talking about being tired because you stayed up too late for a ball game or two last night. I'm talking about the rest of the spirit that you and I need that comes only from Jesus the Christ. And Jesus said this. It's 100% true. But there's more to life and walking with Christ than just that part. I think we have to have the mindset that this whole picture, what this whole picture looks like, what it is actually like as we seek it, as we follow Jesus. What about these parts that Jesus also said? What about deny yourself? What about the, the take up your cross? So the, the, the specific life, easy hard, difficult, whatever it is, take up your cross. What about the follow me part of this? Because a lot of us are really good at the things of, of not doing the things that we're not supposed to do. But I'm going to say this just kind of truthfully. Most of us are not very good. Most of us are not very good at doing what we are supposed to be doing. We're good at keeping the rules of what not to do. But what about the rules of what to do? Do we actually keep those? Do we remember when Jesus said, if they persecute me, they will, what? Let you have a good, easy life, right? No, if they persecute me, they will persecute you. That's what Jesus told us. I think of just a few of examples that, that come throughout the Word. Uh, how about Stephen? He was picked to be a special servant of the Lord, and he died stoned. I think about uh, Peter crucified upside down. I think about John the Baptist. Did you ever notice the meals that he had to eat while he was out? It was suffering all the time, but he had to tell what was going on with the Lord and what was coming with the Lord. How about the Apostle Paul? It's like I don't even want to turn the next page because it just didn't get better. Now, what he was looking forward to, it continued. He just got bigger and better, and he realized what was actually happening and how messed up he was, which is actually what happens. The closer we get to the Lord, the more we realize, oh, this is bad. I'm, oh, all that stuff I thought was bad, man, that's only just scratching the surface. Man, there's a whole other side of this thing. And if you know people that you would say they are true seekers, of Jesus, you know they struggle like this as well. It's real stuff. So Moses may be the first one to, to really understand and catch this like this. Uh, we're going all the way back, Old Testament, again. And uh, his faithfulness to the Lord led to some amazing things he got to see, but his faithfulness to the Lord also led to some things that were tough to watch and realize that were going to happen. And so I'm going to tell you about Six or seven different little quick stories that happened in his life. And just, I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell. You want to go back and read it deep for yourself. But I want you to see what happened to Moses. So over the last few weeks, we've looked at his life and the lives of the Israelites. And through all of them, I think we're beginning to get a glimpse of the holiness of God and the holiness we're not. 
And in that, as we seek him like that, we begin to see something completely, well, we see it completely. We see the bigger picture. We see what it truly looks like. In most of the places we've walked, Moses is meeting with God on Mount Sinai. It was clearly a special place. It was clearly something was happening to Moses and God was using him. He was a prophet for the people. But if we're honest, the picture that we get in our minds was that maybe Moses went there a time or two. Because we know that he went there and God gave him the Ten Commandments. But we also know that he came back down and things were so messed up with the Israelites that when he got to the bottom of the mountain and he saw what they were worshiping, the idol, what did he do? He took the commandments and what did he do? He read them to them? No. He threw them to the ground and destroyed them. And then he ended up back on the mountain and what did he do? He got another copy of what God had already said. Now, in our minds, that's like, well, that's, Okay, he went to the mountain and he had to go back because he destroyed thee. Now, according to the Bible, he went up there at least seven or eight times and met with God like that to come back down and bring the people hard things to hear. It kept happening over and over again. And uh, that's exactly what he was supposed to be doing. But that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing. We're hearing what God is teaching us. We, we, we see it. We read it in his word. And then we're supposed to take it to people. In a very real kind of way. And that is our life. That's what we're called to do. But when he committed, when he made that, that stance that he was going to follow God no matter what it cost, it actually cost him over and over and over again. It would cost him some of his family. It would cost him his best friends. I think about one that probably would irritate me the most is that he looked forward to the promised land the whole time and guess what he never got on this earth? No promised land for Moses. And it wasn't on him, it was on them. It was on all the Israelites because he kept standing in the gap for them. And I'm just saying this, when, when you and I choose to seek and choose to listen and choose to obey God, guess what? not going to all be easy, squeezy, no tough, no nothing, just nice, easy life with all the riches we've ever needed and the most comfortable bed we've ever had and perfect friends and family that are never an issue. It's just not the way it happens. Even though, let's be honest, you can go turn on your TV or listen to some podcasts and hear people talking about Jesus and how easy it is and how all you got to do is say it, and it's all going to happen. I just, it's just not here. It's just not present in the Word of God. And just remember, while following Jesus uh, like this, it's going to put us into a vulnerable situation. But don't forget this. You will never be alone. Jesus said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you.
So even in the midst of all this, he is there. So I've only given you a few notes, and I hope that you pulled up. And if you checked in, then you've got the notes with you. If not, I hope you've got something to, to jot a few notes down there. And here's how I want you to work this. Because really, if you tried to write down everything I was going to write down over the next 10 minutes or 12 minutes just as I explain these stories, we wouldn't get there. So here's what I want you to do. As the Holy Spirit speaks to you, I want you to jot down the thing that the theme or things, maybe one or two things, maybe three or four things, just as he's speaking to your life today. Why do I want you to write it down? Because if the Holy Spirit gives it to you, if it doesn't just come from Mount Ross, but it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, you want to remember it. So you want to look it up tomorrow morning so that you're ready to go again. That's what this is about. So here we go. Uh, here, here's the first one that comes to, that, I, that I see as I'm reading through the life of Moses. Once you make a choice to follow Jesus, no matter what, you put a target on your life. You've seen it. I think it's a big moose, and he's got a big giant target symbol on him, and it says uh, bummer of a birthmark. You ever seen that one before? He stands up, and he's got a big target right here. Bummer. Okay. Go look it up. It's there. Um, Just one off said, I guess those who determine to walk with God become the target of the enemy. If we choose to walk with God, if we say there's no other way but Him, if we, if, we, if we set our face fast to follow Him, you instantly put a target on your life. Now, I want you to hear this, and I want you to hear this in love. I'm glad that you call yourself a Christian. I, I just hope that that's really what's going on in your heart, in your life, and in your mind. That it's not just a title you wear that allows you to come to a church and act a certain way, but it's truly who you are on the inside because you are a follower of Jesus the Christ. But the enemy, Satan, loves for us just to wear the title. If we're just comfortable with saying, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. If you actually have to stop and say, well, what makes me that? What, what is the reality of that in my life? What, what, what sacrifice of praise am I having to offer? If it's costing you nothing, I think you ask a very serious question. If it's all easy and there's no tough, I think you have to ask a very serious question. Because you are the kind of people that Satan loves to have. You are... Not a fear of his. Because you're not making a difference for the kingdom. I mean, and I don't want to see hands. I'm just asking a question. How many of us this morning actually got up and, and said, Lord, I need to talk to you this morning. How many of us this day said, you know what? Not only do I need to talk to you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to sit down. And whether it's just three or four minutes or whether it's 34 minutes. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to purposely seek you because I need to hear from you this day. I want to know what you've got for my life. You need to prepare for me. You need to prepare me what, what needs to happen in my life this day. Or, God, what, what kind of sacrifice needs to be made in my life? What, what do I need to do? And I, it'll cost me. It may be my friends at school or my friends at, at uh, it may be my my friends at work, it may be my friends at my house, my family that I live with, but as I live with you, what, what do you desire for me? And if you start doing that, you put a target on your life. 
but you're not alone. Because Christ is with you as you walk through that. The second you get serious with your faith, that kind of party is over. It's a different life. First Peter chapter 5 says the devil is looking, seeking this whole world whom he may devour. Well, if you're wearing that target, it's easy for him to notice you because there's a difference going on around you because he despises God. He despises the Holy One. And when we continue to seek God, we become an enemy of the enemy, which is Satan. Here's another one. Uh, not only will Satan hate this, but people around you, many of them won't get it. You're going to be weird today. You think Paul wasn't weird to them? You better believe Paul was weird to them. You think Stephen wasn't weird to them when he was crying out to God, saying, I'm ready? I'm ready to enter into your presence? Go ahead, throw the rocks. I'm ready? Yeah, they, were, they thought he was the strangest thing around, so they threw more rocks. That's the way that kind of thing works. Some of your best friends will not be okay with it. Some of these are friends and family. And if you got your Bibles, I want you to go over here. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Okay? Let me give you just a second to get there. Uh, Numbers, this is the real-life story of the things that happened, kind of an of a, of a autobiography, if you will, of the life of Moses. Okay? So we, we get him in, in Exodus. And then we get him again right here. And then like last week, we hear about him again in the book of Hebrews. So Numbers chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, it says, Soon the people began to complain about their hardship. And the Lord heard everything they said. And then the Lord's anger blazed against them, and he sent fire to rage among them. And he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. And then the people screamed to Moses, for help. And when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire stopped. So I want you to hear what happened. The people are, are griping because they've come from bondage and slavery. They've been freed by God. God is providing them everything they need, food and shelter, and an opportunity to serve Him. And they're ticked off about it. They hate it. They're done with it. They don't want any part of it. And what are they fussing about? Verse 4, if you follow on down, it actually tells us that they said, we won't meet. We are sick of this, this manna, these, these bugs that you're feeding us. We're done with this. We don't want any of this. We won't meet. And we won't fish. Just like we had when we were slaves in Egypt. And then we'll, we were better off then. Hmm. But, but you weren't in bondage then. But you're not in, you were in bondage then, and you're not in bondage now. Yep. They like the bondage better than walking with God. They like the steaks and the fish better than walking with the Lord. I just wonder how many of us that is. They were, they were sick of men. When walking with God starts costing us life's comforts, most of us will not want to be a part of it anymore. When it's not what we thought it would be, we don't want to do it anymore. 
watching Travis and Beth Burkhalter in Columbia. Some of you in this, in this room have been served, gone on vacation, whatever, in Columbia. It's not even a great place to raise your kids. Your kids may not live through high school. Do you think that was their plan when they started? But no, they've chosen to follow the Lord that way, even though it may have parts that they may not even want to be a part of. Uh, another one that I see is another story here of Moses. Some people will be discouraging. Some people are going to rip what you're doing. And some of the godliest struggle with just keeping on and continuing on and going and doing whatever the Lord calls them to do. And it actually can get depressing. Matter of fact, that's what happened to Moses. So Numbers chapter 11, verse 10, following on down, Moses heard all the family standing at the doorways of their tents whining now. And the Lord became extremely angry. And Moses was very aggravated with all of this. But what happened? Well, the people didn't want to go God's way. Matter of fact, they wanted to take it back to Egypt. They didn't want to do things God's way. They wanted to do things their way. Ever felt like that? Can't can we just do this my way this time? I've got a really good idea, guys. Can't we just do this my way? If you follow along Numbers chapter 11 and following Moses, why, Lord, does it have to be so hard? Why are you punishing me? What have I done? That's his word. Um, and then he said this, where can I find enough meat to feed them? It's just too much for me. I can't handle it. It's killing me. Why don't you just take my life? That's the bottom end of depression. And this is the same guy. Remember we said, we know he's met with the Lord on, on, with the Lord on Mount Sinai seven, eight times. Remember the burning bush? That's Moses. All these times he's had these personal encounters with God and he's at the point with these people. And God's angry with them. He's like, I'm just taking me home. I'm done with this. So walking with Jesus can feel like too much. That's when we have to remember that we are not alone in this. It's us and Jesus. And that's where faith has to take front and center in our lives. Most of us are not willing to walk there. But Jesus wants us to. It's why he created us. If you go on Numbers chapter uh, 11 and verse 16 takes us there. But some are going to be jealous. Some will think that God can't do this without them. Or think that God can't do it without your leader. But Numbers 11, 16 and following, God listens to Moses. Because remember, God's angry. God's in like destruction mode of what's going to happen to them. And God says to Moses, you're trying to do too much on your own. Matter of fact, he tells Moses, you can't make everybody happy in so many words. And God puts together 70 elders. These are people that God called out. God puts his spirit on them, puts his presence on them. And don't miss this. God took care of Moses' need. He needed help. I don't know if you're aware of this, but God doesn't need me and he doesn't need you. But he wants us. 
He wants us in this bigger picture of his kingdom making a difference. So Moses said, and I love this story. It's a crazy story in, in Numbers chapter 11. But Moses said, God, I've got 600,000 foot soldiers. And you just told me, God, that you're going to feed them me. And by the way, God, I've done the calculations. If we killed every single thing that we called meat here, there's not enough here but for a couple of days. And you said you want to do this for a whole month to the point where they're sick of meat? Yeah. I can't do that. There's no way. And God speaks back to Moses. One of my favorite lines in the Bible. God says to Moses, you really think my arm is too weak for this? You think I can't handle this? You think it's not possible for me, holy, 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 set apart, almighty God? You think it's not possible for me to do this? I just want us to hear this. He's more than enough. He can 100% do whatever needs to happen. The question is, do we have the faith to believe it? Will we trust him in that? Because there are impossible things that are going on in our lives that we think that could never happen. But God. But God. Numbers chapter 11, verse 26 and following. When God had called the 70 uh, elders to help out, Moses called them to the tent of meeting. And the 68 of the 70 showed up. Me, Dad, and Eldad stayed back and were prophesying. Something amazing was happening, but Joshua, the son of Nun, comes and tells Moses, this is wrong, this is your job, you're the prophet, you're supposed to be doing this, they can't be doing this, they're supposed to be with the other 68 that are here. This is just wrong. And I love Moses' reply. There's two prophesying. I wish there were 70 prophesying. This is, this is not the church of Moses. This is God's church. Like, this is not Ross's church. This is God's church. That's what happened this summer in this place. It's not me, it's y'all. It's us. It's the body of Christ. And so whatever you were doing this summer, don't let up because everybody's back here. This is when we get up. This is when we get going. This is when we make it happen. It's not ours. That's why I'm not jealous that good things happen this summer. And Moses was not jealous that two were prophesying. Because more of what God wanted to be happening was happening. The more we seek the Lord, the more we realize He doesn't need us, but He wants us to be a part of doing His will. Either way, whether we choose to walk along with him or not, his will will be done. But don't you want to be a part of it? I want my life to count. If I'm going to live for one more day or one more second or three more minutes, I want those three minutes to matter. If he gives me another 50 years, I want all of them to matter. Here's another thought that happens through this right here. You will be misunderstood and some people will just flat out lie about you. When you start walking with the Lord like this. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 1 and following. Moses was married. His wife's name was Zipporah. 
Apparently at this time, and we're not told this specifically, but it appears that Zipporah passed away after about 40 years of marriage. He marries another woman described as a Cushite woman, which God had said it was illegal for uh, and, and wrong even spiritually for his people to marry Canaanites. Now, he didn't say anything about Cushites, but he did say something about Canaanites. Well, two people got really, really upset with Moses. Matter of fact, two people he really liked. His brother Aaron and his sister Mary. And they thought that what Moses done was just heretical. They didn't want to have any part about him. Matter of fact, uh, they let their disapproval not be known in such a way that they didn't even talk to Moses first. They talked to other people. They were gossiping about it. When Moses married this Cushite woman. Now remember, God had forbidden marriage to Canaanites, but not Cushites. This was God's call to be okay with. It wasn't Miriam and Aaron's call to be okay with. And the reality is, is that Aaron and Miriam were ticked off that Moses hadn't asked them if they were okay with it. They weren't included with the things. So God calls the three of them outside. They get called to the principal's office. The three brothers and sisters get called out together. And he lets them know that nobody's taking Moses' place. Nobody's taking his place. And God says this to him. And as they were walking away from the meeting, are you familiar with what happened to Miriam? They all looked down and as she was walking, they started seeing white stuff fall off of her body. God gave her leprosy. Okay. What? And so Aaron looks at Moses and says, Don't let this be a death sentence to us. We didn't mean it like that. How many of us do that? I didn't mean it like that. And then Moses cries out to God. He prays to God and he said, God, can it not end like this? Does it have to end like this? And God said, okay, I'll cleanse her, but she has to have the, the seven days. And then she'll be free from leprosy. It's not going to happen to Aaron. I don't know why. I don't know how it landed on her. I don't know how it worked like that. But God cleansed her. And he showed mercy, and God showed mercy. If we're walking with the Lord... And we are seeking Him and doing His will. We won't have to fight our own battles. He will fight them for us. He will go before us. And just two more things to think about. because Just two more to kind of wind this up. But sometimes people will reject us. And the reality is they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting the God in whom we worship and serve. That happens all the time. I get it. Numbers chapter 13, the Lord told Moses to send out 12 spies to Canaan to check out the new home for God's people. He sends out 12. And in Numbers chapter 13, verse 27 and 28, verse 27, first year, it says, This was the report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. And matter of fact, what they do is they come up and say, here's the kind of produce. Wait a minute. Hang on. Let me get my friend and put a pole between it. They gathered some grapes. 
And that one bunch of grapes was so big, it took two of them to hold them up and bring them out. They said, look, look, help me hold this up. You need to see how it's flowing with richness. How big of a deal that it is. What they found blew their minds. It was not like anything they had ever seen. They had never seen crops like this. Then verse 28. But the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. So apparently, big crops grow big men. When I was growing up, we called them tater fed. You know what I'm talking about? The big boys. I mean, good. I watched some of the offensive lines over yesterday. 350 pounds and still running a 40-yard dash under five seconds. That's a scary machine that I will not get close to. But that's what these people saw. They saw giants in the land. You know what they saw? We, we won't win. You know what? They were exactly right. They would not win, but God was going to win. God was giving them that. So guess what he could take care of? The fortified walls. Guess what he could take care of? The giants of Anak. He could take care of all that, but their faith was not there. Matter of fact, they said these giants were so big, they make us feel like grasshoppers. They're here and we're there. Their mindset was, we can't do this. And the people lacked faith to follow God like that and to give them the land. And again, the Lord might say, you still think my arm's not big enough? Do you remember who put all this together with the sound of his voice? Every creation and holds it together even today. The reason we are able to stand vertical, the reason we're not being thrown everywhere right now as our earth spins at a mighty speed in multiple directions around on an axis and around the sun and through the galaxy, yet you're still not sure that I can take care of a few giants and land on one of the smallest planets in this little place called the Milky Way, yeah. Rejecting what God is leading us to do is no joke. It will cost us. It will cost, it cost every Israelite over the age of 20 their life and their opportunity to ever see the promised land here on earth because of their lack of faith. Here's the last one just to think about. You will... You will be resented by some, and some will go after you to tear you down. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12 so it says, in, uh, In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All who want to go back to the Holy One, there will be a price. Timothy goes on, Paul's talking to to. to Timothy in his book, and, and this is how it's, it's going to happen. This is what happens. This is what's going to happen, but it'll be good because it's God working. See, the Holy One will cost you. Almost all the disciples became martyrs. That means they died for their faith. That's a cost. That's a big cost. Numbers chapter 14, verse 11 and 12. 
uh, talks about this because of their refusal to trust the Lord, because they rejected Him. He was now going to disown them and to destroy them. But Moses asked the Lord to spare them. And God did. But they would have to spend. But they, were, they, were, they were there. They were fixing to go into the Holy Land. Into the, the land that God was given. The promised land. But their spies had gone over and they spent 40 days checking this place out. So God says, so since the spies checked this out for 40 days and came back with such terrible news, then you're going to need to spend 40 years in the wilderness that I brought you to. And then maybe your children can go over and see the promised land. So some decided, okay, 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 I realize I've messed up. And they took off into Canaan. Can you imagine what happened? They were destroyed and pushed back in such a fashion they didn't even really know what to do. Because they decided to go, okay, 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 God, I'm going to do it now. Anything but immediate obedience is disobedience. And one of the things I want to learn is how to obey God when He first speaks to me because it's never easy on the next road. It's always hard. So let's wrap this up. Let's take it home. Let's leave it out, but let's be honest about the cost. Just a couple of things I want you to think about if you're going to write these down. I really, really hope these are here. will take and affect your life like the couple of things you've already written down because the Holy Spirit was speaking to you. Walking with the Lord is not easy. There is no easy button. The only thing that brings hope in this is the fact that we don't have to do it alone and that He is with us. But is it worth it? 100% a hundred times over, a thousand times over, a million times over, you will not regret it. Because what do you want when you enter the presence of a holy God? And you did all right. I guess so. Come on. Or do you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. And so we say, well, I've already messed up so much. Start now. Start now actually seeking and serving. Here's the second one. Walking with the Lord may be dangerous. I'm saying if it's costing you nothing, we're probably missing it. Because that's just not what I see in the New Testament. It's not what I see with the Travis and Beth Burkhalters. There's a cost in there that's a daily struggle that takes us back in puts us on our knees before the Lord so that we say, I can't do this. I've got to have you. And it brings us there every single day. It's a daily thing that happens in our lives. If, it, if, if, God, if you don't come through, then I'm done. Okay. And he said, that's the way it's going to be. You have to trust my own because it is strong enough. And the last one, and I love, this is my favorite part. Walking with the Lord will be exciting. So if you're like, well, I've known Christ for 59 years, but I'm so bored. I'm just going to say it, then you're probably not really seeking him. You may know everything from cover to cover, but it has not infiltrated your heart and your mind so that you are living and doing and going out for him. I heard 
a, a testimony or two testimonies this week of people who went strong after the Lord this week. And he led them to do things that were so far out of their comfort zone. If you had told me that these two people would be doing this this last week, I would have said, no way. But they did it. And the one thing I can promise you, it wasn't in their own power and their own mentality. It was the power of a holy God working through their lives because of their experience in the presence of the Holy they couldn't help but do what God called them to do. So they did. No matter how uncomfortable they were. No matter what it cost them. You ready to do the hardest thing you'll ever love? Then I want you to commit yourself to Him. Go to Him in His holy of holies. Because we can boldly approach that. And then said, Lord, okay, now what? Whatever it is, just put it in my mind, put it in my heart, and I'm going to do it. I got this little voice in my mind saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. And God is saying, you're right, but I can't. Let's do this together. And you take that first step this week. It's talking to a friend at school. It's an encouraging somebody from here. It's writing a note that needed to be written a long time ago. It's forgiving someone. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. This is bigger than me. And some of you walked in this room today. Maybe, maybe you repeated a prayer to somebody sometime when you were in VBS or something. But there's been no change. Maybe, maybe, maybe you got your name on the membership of the church. But has there been a change? If there hasn't, Jesus has come to me. Repent. That means change your mind about where you're going. Turn around from where you're going. Confess your sins to me and let me take over. Trust what I did for you on the cross alone. This altar is for that. This altar is for just a point of surrender for all of us who would genuinely say, I know Jesus. Things got to change and I got to live for you. Won't you stand where you are? Cross this place. Father, how real it is to just see how you work through a, a simple man named Moses. And even with the terrible mistakes that he made, God, you still used him in a great way. You gave him such a heart of compassion for these people that just wouldn't follow and made excuses and whined and griped. Made life hard on him, but yet he loved them. They were your people and they were his people. And God, for the grace that you showed them is the grace you want to show us. Change us in this moment as we trust you. God speaking to you, don't hold back.